0: Good morning, and welcome to our first episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. And we are so excited to finally share our podcast with you.
1: Today, we are going to tell you about a case that has stuck with me since I first heard about it years ago the disappearance
0: of 19 year old Bryce Pisa. Pour yourself a strong cup of joe, and let's dive in.
1: Bryce Laspisa was born in Illinois and graduated from Naperville Central High School in 2012. His parents, Mike and Karen Laspisa, moved the family to Laguna Niguel, California, where Bryce began attending Sierra College, which is about 500 miles from his family or about a seven-hour drive. On some sites I was seeing, though, where people comment that the only reason he went so far away for college was because he wanted to get away from his parents because they didn't get along. Uh, But I personally don't see anything wrong with a teenager
0: wanting to move away from his parents to go to college. Uh, No, that's totally normal. I would have probably gone further, but it's expensive to go out of state. And I stayed
1: right by my home, but...
0: (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Going away for college sounds amazing. And
1: I couldn't find for sure what he was majoring in, but it sounded like he was majoring in art and graphic design, as those were what most of his classes were focusing on. Um, It's reported that he was a talented artist, and he could draw and build... Bryce was your typical 19-year-old college student. He hung out with some friends and his roommate, Sean. He played video games and even had a girlfriend named Kim, whom he met his freshman year at college. He was described as funny, loving, and able to light up a room with his charisma. Bryce was just beginning his sophomore year of college after spending the summer of 2013 at home with his parents in Laguna Niguel. In the days leading up to Bryce's disappearance, he slowly began to not act like himself. On August 26, 2013, Bryce had a pretty normal day. He went to class, and then he talked to his mom on the phone, and she reports that she had a pretty good normal conversation with him. The next day, things started to turn strange. I actually found a post on Instagram that he had made that is a photo of him sitting in a car holding a Madden 25 game in his hand with the caption, Get at me. Got that. Hashtag Madden 25 at midnight. Hashtag leaderboards. He even replied to a few comments on the post, one to his girlfriend Kim, where she called him cute, and he responded with, You know it, babe. And then went to his friend Bryce H. Where Bryce told him to add him on the Xbox. It all seems like a pretty normal exchange into a pretty normal day. So on the 27th, Bryce's girlfriend Kim states that he was acting weird. She also reports that Bryce admitted to taking Vyvanse, which is an ADHD medication that he was using for energy to stay up and play video games with his friends. And she reports that he was going through about two bottles of hard liquor on the weekends. Which seems like a pretty substantial amount. Yeah. Now I looked up some of the side effects of Vyvanse and it is known to be similar to methamphetamines. Vyvanse can cause rapid or irregular heartbeats, delirium, panic, psychosis, heart failure. It is notable though that the delirium, panic, and psychosis side effects occur in about 0.1 to 1% of people who take Vyvanse. His parents do say that uh, Bryce did not have a substance abuse problem and he was just doing normal teenage stuff. Kim also states that Bryce had given away some of his possessions, including his Xbox and a pair of diamond earrings from his mother, to random friends in the days leading up to this. That doesn't seem normal. No. I can't
0: imagine a college boy giving up his Xbox.
1: Yeah, it's a little weird, especially since he just went out and got that Madden 25 game at midnight just a couple days before, just a day before. Huh. August 28th is the day that everything really begins to unfold. Bryce's roommate, Sean, actually called his mother, Karen, Karen to talk about how strange Bryce was acting
0: the day before, after he had taken the Vyvanse. Wait, Which... his roommate called his mom? Yes. So he, in my head, that means he was acting really strange because I know that there's been times where me and my friends in college are acting kind of weird and there's no way we would have called each other's parents to be, like, basically kind of tattling on them almost. That's so fair. he must have been very concerned. Yeah, no, I don't
1: think I would have... Called any of my friend's parents and said, like. Unless it was serious. Oh, yeah. Unless there was something majorly out of character happening.
0: The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code, CrimePod15 owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way.
1: Bryce then sends a text to Kim saying, you know what, maybe you're better off without me. Kim responds with, Are you breaking up with me? And Bryce simply says yes. Bryce then goes to Kim's apartment in Chico, California, which is about 90 miles north of Bryce's apartment, to try to sort out the breakup. While he is there, Kim decides to take Bryce's keys and tell him not to leave, which causes Bryce to call his mother. Bryce tells Karen that Kim will not give him the keys back and he would like to go home. Kim interjects and tells Karen that she took them away from him because he is acting very strange and she doesn't think he is in a condition to drive. Karen asks to speak to Bryce and ask him what's going on. He just says, I broke up with Kim and now she won't let me leave. Bryce's dad, Mike, asks, Bryce, are you okay? And he just says, yes, I'm fine. I just want to go home, but she won't give my keys back to me. Karen ends up telling Kim to give the keys back to Bryce. And then Bryce leaves around 1130 p.m., presumably to head back to his apartment in Rockland. Karen told him to go to bed and call in the morning to talk. She later reports that Bryce sounded normal to him over the phone, and she didn't get the sense that he was distraught or heartbroken over the breakup. We later find out that Kim knew that Bryce had taken five ants and been drinking before arriving to our apartment, and that was why she was so hesitant to let him drive. Around 1 a.m. on August 29th, Bryce called Karen, which she assumed he was back at his apartment in Rockland. However, cell towers show that he was actually heading further south, past the college, and toward the mountains. I couldn't find anything about this call for sure, so I have no idea if Karen answered the call and spoke to Bryce at this time, or if it was just a missed call that Karen had. However, I'm led to believe by some sources that she did answer, and nothing really happened on the phone call. Later in the morning on the 29th, around 9 a.m., Bryce's parents received a text from their auto insurance provider telling them that Bryce's Toyota Highlander needed roadside assistance. Bryce's mom was, of course, worried, so she called Sean, and he said that Bryce never returned home the night before. Mike and Karen called Bryce's phone, and he did not answer. So they did some research and saw that Bryce's card, which was connected to his parents' account so they could see it, had been charged for about $20 in Button Willow, California, which is about three hours from home, where his parents live in a Laguna Niguel, at a place called Castro Tire and Truck. Now it's about noon, and I'm assuming his parents are still continuing to call him with no luck, um, but now his parents decide to do more than just wait, So Bryce's parents call the repair shop, and a serviceman named Christian answers the phone and confirms that he did, in fact, see Bryce earlier that day, and he had delivered about three gallons of gas to him around 9 a.m. Karen asked how Bryce was acting, and Christian said that he was acting
0: fine, but his eyes were a little red. His eyes being red because... Do you think maybe because he'd been driving all night? Maybe he was just tired? Well, I mean, at this point, as far as we know, it's been... least 12 hours since he
1: slept well almost 20 about 24 hours since he slept i can imagine my eyes would be a wreck probably i mean if you're driving and paying attention the entire time like yeah it makes sense that his eyes would be red but so i don't think they really went anywhere with this but karen told christian that bryce was not answering his phone and christian being the nice guy that he was offered to go and check on bryce to see if he happened to still be where he was or if his car still wasn't working for some reason um thought maybe he could help him out so, Christian heads out to the same location he had brought gas to earlier, and he is surprised to see that Bryce is still sitting there in his car. In the same spot. In the exact same spot. That's wild. Yep. So, Christian calls Karen and says, hey, good news, I found your son. He's sitting in the exact same spot he was earlier. So, Christian puts Bryce on the phone to talk to Karen, and Karen asks, what are you doing? And he just says, very truthfully, nothing. Nothing. Karen doesn't push. She just tells Bryce that he needs to fill up his gas tank and start heading home.
0: Uh, Karen isn't curious why he's just sitting there still? She doesn't ask why? Uh, not anywhere that I could find. And if she did, there wasn't really
1: much with that. He just kind of stuck with the answer that he was doing nothing. Oh, because in my head, it's a little odd. I would agree. But I think if I was Mom, I'd be a little concerned. But I don't know. According to his credit card records, it shows that he did go and fill up his gas tank. And in theory, he started heading home, which would have put him home around 3 p.m. So Mike and Karen are waiting for Bryce, but they begin to get even more worried when they see it is already past 3 and Bryce still isn't home and they haven't heard from him. So by 3.30, they're calling his phone, leaving voicemails, doing whatever they can to get in touch with him, probably texting him. However, they don't hear from him for hours. So by 6 p.m., Karen is extremely worried, which, perfect sense. So she calls and files a missing persons report in Orange County, which is where Karen and Mike live and where Bryce is supposed to be heading, which is about three hours from Button Willow. So it makes sense that he should be home about 3 o'clock if he left around noon. Because it's been six hours now, right?
0: Yeah, it's been six hours. He left around noon at 6, so that's double the amount of time. Yes. And I don't know about you, but... I don't think my bathroom breaks take that long. You know, I don't think so either. Maybe he stopped for some really good Chinese
1: food or something on the way. (laughs) Or some good coffee. Ooh. The police do what they can to find him, but all they can do at the time being is get in touch with his phone provider, who's then able to ping his phone location And you will never guess where Bryce's phone pings.
0: Uh, Rocklin. Nope.
1: He is in Button Willow. What? The same place that Bryce was at at 9 a.m. and at noon when he last talked to mom six hours ago. That is wild. Yeah. It. I mean, it's a little that it's insane to just be sitting there from 9 a.m. to I think 9 p.m.
0: That's crazy. Twelve hours.
1: 12 hours. Wow. Yep. So of course, the Orange County police call over and send the Kern County police out to search for Bryce. The police find Bryce parked only eight miles from where he was before. Now I'm not sure of the speed limit on this road for sure, but assuming it's 50 miles per hour, it would only take approximately nine minutes and 36 seconds to travel that distance. And even if the speed limit was 30 miles per hour, there is no way it would take him six hours to drive eight miles. So the officers go over and talk to Bryce and check his car for drugs or alcohol or anything illegal, but they find nothing.
0: Bryce just tells the cops that he's there to blow off some steam, which seems kind of normal. Not normal for 12 hours sitting on the side of the road in your car. Yeah, I know.
1: I thought it was the super long time as well, but the officers seem to think it was pretty normal. So the officers then ask Bryce to call his parents, and it's reported that he seemed pretty hesitant to call them. So the cops ended up dialing for him, um, and Karen asked the cops if Bryce was okay and if he seemed well enough to finish the drive home. The cops tell her that he seems fine and doesn't seem impaired in any way, so yes, he can drive home. Bryce gets on the phone, and Karen asks him what he's doing, and Bryce, once again, tells very honestly that he's just putting the things back into his car from the police search. So Karen tells Bryce to finish putting them in his car and then to head home. The police are there for about 20 minutes in total and leave shortly after the phone call. And that
0: seems to be the end. And at no point, Karen's just like, I'm driving to you. Stay there.
1: You know, I would have probably drove there myself. um, Probably after that first phone call with Christian. But, or even between that six hours where they didn't hear from him at all. But then again, after this interaction, hearing from the police saying that he's okay and like he's good enough to drive. Like, if the cops are talking to you, telling you that he's fine, you probably makes you want to drive there less. I mean, it's a three-hour drive. I don't know. I go back and forth as to whether or not I would actually make that yeah. drive or not, especially after hearing from a cop that he's fine. Yeah,
0: and every person's different, I guess, and they have their different interpretations and thought processes. Yeah. So around 10
1: p.m. that night, Karen and Mike receive a phone call from Christian, the serviceman from the repair shop in Buttonwillow, and he tells them that he saw that he missed a call from them, and so Karen and Mike tell them about what has happened over the last few hours, and Christian
0: once again offers to go and check on Bryce. So Christian is just a worker, a serviceman. He doesn't even know Bryce. Correct. Yeah, he's so never f- met Bryce before today. He's just a super sweet guy. Yes, like he's wow. just like, I'm gonna make sure that like you get your son back, because... Well, bless Christian. Yeah, exactly,
1: right? So he gets in his truck and drives over to the place where he was last seen with the police. So once he gets there, Christian calls Karen and Mike and tells him that Bryce is still sitting there. In that same spot. In the exact same spot the police had him. I, I have so many questions. Four hours ago. Oh my goodness. So now he's been sitting there for over 12
0: hours. Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: So Christian tells them that he's going to talk to Bryce and tell him to go home and he's going to follow him until he gets on the interstate just to make sure that he's like actually heading home since they've been trying for 12 hours and it doesn't seem to be working. 30 minutes later, Christian calls Karen and Mike to let him know that Bryce is on the interstate and should be headed home. Bryce talks to his parents a few times on his way home, some texts and some phone calls. Karen and Mike continuously call Bryce to make sure he's heading home and doing okay. Around 11 p.m., Bryce tells his mom that he's purchasing a drink at the gas station, which is later confirmed by the credit card statements that he spent $1.71. But I couldn't find any information on where this gas station was located, so I don't know for sure if he's still in Buttonwillow or if it shows that he's actually heading home at this point. So Bryce keeps telling his parents that he's honestly home, and Karen and Mike keep asking Bryce for landmarks or road signs or anything to tell them where he's at so that they kind of have a better estimate of when he's going to be home. But Bryce just keeps saying... It's too dark out, he can't see anything, and that his GPS says he'll be home at 325 a.m. Around 1.50 in the morning, Bryce is on the phone with his mother, and he tells her that he detoured off of the I-5, but he is back on track now. Karen doesn't press about what made him go off track, but just tells him that she'll see him when he gets home. Around 2.08 in the morning, on August 30th, Karen gets a call from her son, who says that he is going to pull over in a suburban area and sleep in his car, as he's too tired to drive. Which makes perfect sense to me, since as far as we know, he hasn't slept since he woke up on August 28th. Which, at least 30 hours he's been awake. Yeah, and that's like if he slept in on the 28th, which maybe he did because he was up playing games with his friends, but maybe he also never slept. So, of course, Karen agrees and tells him to get some sleep and head home as soon as he wakes up. Now, after that, the timeline is kind of unknown for sure, as Karen never heard from Bryce after that last phone call. Around 8 a.m. on the 30th, Karen and Mike heard a knock on the door and hurried to open it, expecting their son to be standing on the other side. However, to their disappointment, it was a couple of police officers letting them know that around 530 in the morning, the Kern County Police Department located Bryce's overturned SUV near Castaic Lake with the rear window smashed, and it appears that Bryce pushed it out in order to climb out himself. Bryce's car headed off the road by a cell tower and down a hill towards the lake. There was evidence from the tire tracks that the car accelerated as it was going down the hill and there was no evidence that he couldn't brake or that the car was in neutral. The car went downhill 25 feet where it fell off a ledge and landed on its front bumper and then fell onto its side. There was a couple of small drops of Bryce's blood found inside the car on the passenger side headrest and in the back seat but none were found outside which indicates that he wasn't bleeding heavily. Now, Castaic Lake is about an hour and 23 minutes from Buttonwillow and about two hours from home, so we do know that he was heading the way he was supposed to be. His cell phone was found in the car, while his laptop and wallet were found in a duffel bag outside the car near the rear window. However, Bryce was not there. The duffel bag was zipped open, which leads police to believe that Bryce may have taken something from the duffel bag before he had left, but they were never sure of what it was that he had taken. But to me, that just seems a little weird that A teenage boy left his phone, his laptop, I mean, his wallet, all of like, what do you take some money with you or something? Not even just a teenage
0: boy, anybody who's, if you're just leaving, let's say you wrecked, you think you would at least take your wallet with you.
1: Yeah, I mean, even if you didn't want to call the cops for some reason about the wreck to, like, for help or anything, you'd think you'd want some money or, I mean, I don't know. I it's can't weird to it. leave everything. Oh, yeah, it's weird for sure. And to leave his duffel bag with all of his clothes. Investigators checked Castaic Lake for Bryce's body. However, it has never been found. It is worth noting that Castaic Lake is 22 acres and up to 300 feet deep in some parts. The investigators also say that it looks like Bryce was able to walk away from the crash after the accident. As we saw, he pushed out the back window and there was some blood there. However, the terrain around the crash site is not an easy place to navigate, according to police. The land is rocky at some points and loose and sandy in other parts. And there's only natural lighting near the lake. So there wouldn't have been like streetlights or anything. So it would have been very dark when Bryce left the crash site. Um, The police dogs traced his scent over the dam and across the road and all the way to the truck stop. But there, the scent, it was cold. So you could
0: theorize that. He walked to the truck stop?
1: I mean, that's a theory, that he had gone up to the main road and found the truck stop there and went there to maybe ask for help. Do we know, did they talk to anybody at the truck stop to see if they saw him? I mean, it doesn't say that. I'm going to assume they did, because it would be pretty yes it's silly if they didn't <laughs> but to say it nicely
0: it seems like a good move to seems, talk to the truck stop. yeah people. if that
1: was the last place scent was seen it would, like anybody at the truck stop that was working it would be a good thing to check or to see if they had surveillance cameras there anything like that would have been good but that wasn't reported in any of the it's articles not or, that i could find i mean they do keep some stuff to themselves yes we know that they okay. do During the investigation, police pull footage from a surveillance camera that snaps pictures of license plates of the vehicles that are going up the hill that's near Castaic Lake. Um, And so around 2.15 in the morning, his license plate was photographed and showed that Bryce is going up the hill, which is about seven minutes after he talked to his mom on the phone, that last phone call, and told her that he was going to find a place to sleep. The same camera on the same hill sees his car going the same way at 4.29 a.m., which is a little over two hours after the first time his car was seen going up the hill and about an
0: hour before the police find his overturned vehicle. So they see him going up at 2.15 and then two hours later and this going up the hill again. Does mm-hmm. that mean he left and drove around and came back? I, I don't know. We Nobody
1: knows. There, Unfortunately, there's no security footage like that takes a picture of the license plate going, going down? down the hill, which... Would be super helpful in this situation, but it's odd. There, there's no clue as to where he was during those two hours. The case just stops cold from there. Now, there have been some reported sightings of him in Washington, Arkansas, Oregon, Nevada, and California, but so far none of them have actually led to Bryce or been proven to be him at all. Bryce's dad, Mike, after the accident, would drive to Castaic Lake almost daily for weeks after Bryce was reported in the scene, which, if we remember correctly, is a little over a two-hour drive, so some dedication. And Mike and his brother actually did many searches through the canyon, trails, and around the lake. Karen and Mike actually hired a private investigator and forensic analyst to go through Bryce's laptop and his cell phone to see if they could find any evidence Uh, that would be pointing toward whether or not he would have ran away, but they were unable to find anything during the search.
0: One thing I do wonder that I don't think we've talked about, if they have his cell phone and he had the GPS on while he was driving home, I wonder if there's a way to check that to see where he went if it was tracking him. I mean, it can ping on different cell phone towers,
1: but there's only going to be... I don't know that you can go back and retrace somebody's GPS records, and maybe you can, and maybe they did, but it wasn't something that I could find. Interesting. Yeah, but I know you can ping thing, like ping the cell phone, see where it is. Um, But he could have—I don't know if he had his phone shut off by this point. If he still had it on, last we knew, he was planning on sleeping, and then we find his car overturned. They still continue to do searches of the lake just to see if there's anything there if his body happens to be there but so far
0: they found nothing so to this day we have nothing other than his car correct we have his car
1: his phone his laptop which show nothing a few drops of blood a few drops of blood and and no Bryce no Bryce no breaks in the case at all since that accident I mean there's those few reported sightings of him but I mean, some people just say that they see people for attention, or maybe they thought they actually
0: saw him, but it was just somebody that looked like him. So what were some of the initial theories that investigators have about what happened to Bryce? Well, the initial theory that
1: the investigators had about his disappearance was that he died by suicide. And there's many people that still think that this is true. Uh, It's substantiated by his erratic behavior in the days before he went missing, Such as him giving away his possessions like that Xbox and the diamond earrings and him when he refused to leave the Button Willow area, like sitting there for 13 hours. And then there's the car wreck, which shows evidence of having been done intentionally. However, this theory tends to be one both the family and the investigators have turned away from.
0: Well, I wonder if there's any way he accidentally drowned in the lake.
1: I mean, it's possible, but since their back windshield was busted out... They think that if he was in the lake, it was probably he walked into the lake himself and drowned himself since he didn't go through the windshield. There's no way he would have gone through the back of the car that was facing away from the lake, if that makes sense. And then they searched the lake multiple times. True, his body probably would have been found. You would
0: think it would have been found or surfaced or something. Well, if he didn't commit suicide, he didn't drown... I'm not sure what else there is except for foul play or maybe like a psychotic break or undiagnosed um, mental illnesses. You did say he was taking some sort of medication earlier. Yeah, so he was taking Vyvanse and I
1: looked up some of the side effects of Vyvanse and it's known to be similar to methamphetamines, um, which some of the side effects were that it can cause a rapid or an irregular heartbeat, delirium, panic, psychosis, heart failure. Also in regards to like, the psychotic break or the mental illness, um, it was kind of talked about that, and I don't know the investigators talked about it, but people online have been talking about the fact that it could have been schizophrenia or bipolar or something. Those tend to set in between um, the ages of 16 and 30 for men, which he falls into that category. And some of the first signs of schizophrenia that we see are depression and social withdrawal, Hostility or suspiciousness and extreme reaction to criticism, oversleeping or insomnia, which I mean, we saw with him whether or not that was for the Vivians or not, but that's part of this. And then odd or irrational statements. And I'm not sure that he necessarily ever said anything odd or irrational, but his behavior he was, was odd acting. or irrational. Very irrational. Yeah. Another theory that those investigating the case believe, is that he willingly walked away from his life. The investigators are convinced that he's still alive and doesn't wish to be found, and it's supported by the lack of evidence and the body was never found at Cassaic Lake or the area's
0: location near the freeway. I guess if he wanted to start over, it may- that would explain leaving his phone, his computer, his wallet... It explains leaving all his possessions
1: you would think but why leave the clothes if you wanted to start over my theory the thing is like the starting a new life or running away why does he have like why does he just go out and buy that madden 25 game be so happy about it why does he come back with his girlfriend all of this stuff i mean yeah he randomly broke up with her but that was like within a 12 24 hour period where he was talking about how he loved her and then broke up with her And, I mean, if he was running away, you would think he would bring his clothes. Or if he had cash in his wallet, he would have taken that. Which, maybe he did. It doesn't say whether or not there was cash found in his wallet. But there's just some things that... I can understand the phone and the laptop, because that can be traced. But the clothing can't be traced. The duffel bag can't be traced. It just seems like you would want something if you were going to start over. I do think, though... It leaves more questions. It does. It makes you start to wonder. Which is, I think, why this case has stuck with me so much. Because there's so many different theories and no answers at all. It's just hard to know because you were not in his headspace. Exactly. There's all these holes in what happened in these last few hours and where he is now. Another theory is that Mike and Karen... Um, believe that Bryce is still alive and he's possibly suffering from a head injury, which could have caused amnesia, resulting in him not knowing who he is, which would explain why he hasn't tried to reach out to them. However, I have a little bit of a flaw in this theory, Um, and that's more just if somebody's suffering from amnesia, they normally end up in a hospital or would be questioning talking to
0: police yeah, Who am I? What's going on? They'd be trying to find out who they are. And I can imagine if someone walked up to me and was like, I don't know who I am. I would probably call police. Or take him to the hospital. Like, you'd do something, and you'd think that
1: the picture would get around, and then they would somehow find it back to him. I mean, we they do have his dental records, his fingerprints, his social security number. Like, they have all of this stuff in the net, uh, nationwide missing person system. So you would think that if somebody had stumbled across him... And he had amnesia and didn't know who he was. That would be some of the first things that they would check. Well, and he's got a pretty unique look, doesn't he? He does. Um, So he has bright red hair. He's five foot eleven inches tall. He has a big tattoo on his left arm of a bowl with Roman numerals that
0: represent his birthday. So identifying features. Yeah, for sure. So is it possible or do they theorize that maybe there is foul play and someone like murdered him
1: it is possible they do kind of um look at that now as a possibility since um it's been six years and he's not been spotted at all and he's not been turned in they've not found a body i mean there's different things and if he really did go up to the truck stop is it possible that he was a hitchhiker and had somebody and he got in a car with Somebody not great. I mean, wrong place, wrong time. There's hundreds of serial killers that we will cover in the future on this podcast, but I mean, there was one that was specifically a truck driver and he used the route. I mean, there's multiple of them, but there's one where he only used the route to find victims. It happened. So part of me wonders if maybe something happened at this truck stop. So we are posting a photo of Bryce on our Instagram, Facebook, and our Twitter page at crime over coffee pod so please go and look at it see if he's someone that you recognize or at least get the picture in your head that way if you stumble across him in the future once again he has bright red hair he's 5 foot 11 inches tall and had a big tattoo on his left arm of a bull with roman numerals standing for his birthday which was april 30th 1994. the family is currently offering a five thousand dollar reward for information leading to the return of their son His license, social security number, fingerprints, and passport have been uploaded to a nationwide missing person system. His dental records are also available. If you have any information about Bryce, please call 949-292-4400. You can also check out their Facebook page, Find Bryce Laspisa, or email findbrycelaspisa at gmail.com with any information that you may have so that someday we can give the Laspisas the peace of knowing what happened to their son. Stay tuned for the mysterious moment of the month where we tell you a true story about near misses in life. If you would like to submit a true story of your own, please email them to crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com.
0: When I was about 13 years old, I lived in a small town, a small enough town that my mom was pretty comfortable letting me walk around as long as I was with someone. With a little persistence, I even convinced her to let me walk around at night a few times. I was always with two or three of my friends, so I never gave much thought to anything bad that could happen. One night, two of those friends and I were walking around Line Street in a small neighborhood about five minutes from my house. For one reason or another, I got upset with them and took off on my own. As I walked down the road, I began to realize how dark it had gotten. It was nearly midnight at this point, and I began to notice that I had no idea where I was. I stopped and spun around trying to find any houses or street signs that I recognized. As I turned, I noticed a figure standing in the middle of the street, about two blocks down from me. It was odd because the figure was not moving and I was fairly certain that this figure was facing me. I began to tell myself it was no big deal. Obviously, other people go outside at night, just like me. I started walking in the opposite direction and quickly turned down a side street. After a few minutes had passed, I stopped, turned around, and searched for the darkness for the figure. Nothing. I was just overreacting. So I thought. I walked a couple more steps and stopped again. That feeling crept up on me, when your stomach drops and your whole body freezes. I slowly started to turn around, and right where I had turned onto the side street that I was now on, the figure had reappeared. This time. He was just barely lit by a dim street light overhead. It was definitely a man, heavy built and tall, wearing dark pants and a sweatshirt with a hood over his head. At this point, I'm shaking with fear. I start to walk even faster, picking up my pace until I am in a full sprint. I turn around and to my horror, he is sprinting after me, matching my strides. I kept running as fast as I could, now with tears streaming down my face. Finally, I came across a sign that I recognized. Line Street. I rounded the corner and came face to face with my two friends. Hysterical, I couldn't formulate the words to explain to them what was happening. We walked home without speaking as I quietly continued to cry, trying to process what had just happened. Once I made it home, I locked my door behind me and sat on my living room couch, trying to calm down. Then I heard it, a rustling outside my windows and the sound of heavy footsteps on the porch. I got up, sat on the ground by my door, and pressed my ear against it. I listened, and slowly, the footsteps descended. I was left sitting there, complete silence, waiting. If you'd like, you can
1: submit your true-life mysterious stories to be featured on future Mysterious Moment of the Month segments. You can email us your submissions at cryovercoffeepod at outlook.com.